feel beautiful? Do you look beautiful? Does one really affect the other? Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out with host Bonnie Bonadeo. In our show, we'll help you uncover your true self and unleash beauty that you never knew existed in order to be at your best, both inside and out. Now, here is your host, Bonnie Bonadeo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Beauty Inside and Out. You know, we're coming to the end of the year. It's coming to a close. We're at the very end of November. We have one month left. And I just want to thank everybody um, coming off of a very grateful holiday uh, Thanksgiving. I just want to thank everybody for being a loyal listener and joining me each and every week, listening to the podcast once they archive, joining me live um, on the air as well as on Facebook Live. Um, I appreciate all your support. And listen, you know, we've got lots of great opportunities coming into 2019. So I hope you'll stay with me. And I hope that some of you might choose to decide to be a guest or maybe you know somebody that could be a great guest on Beauty Inside and Out to be able to bring the best of beauty to life. Because, you know, our mission is to be able to educate, inform, and inspire consumers on all things beauty. Sometimes that's beauty from the inside and sometimes it's beauty from the outside. But today we're going to go inside. So let me ask you this question. What do you do when you get diagnosed with cancer? I think most people would answer that with they would freak out or they would panic. Well, my guest today, Connie Bramers, she actually utilized it with some humor, wrote a beautiful memoir, and started a nonprofit organization. So I'm excited to be able to hear her story. I'm excited for all of you to be able to hear her story, too, because I think that she's going to be able to help inspire those of you that... Uh, know people that are diagnosed, or maybe you're diagnosed yourself. Um, you could be on the tail end of um, going into uh, surviving cancer. But either way, I think Connie's got a very uh, enlightened and inspired approach to being able to deal with something that I think most of us panic about. Connie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bonnie. I appreciate it. You bet. Yeah. So I, I know that, uh, you know, you're going to share your story with us. And, and part of that story is obviously, you know, here you are at this particular age and you get diagnosed and you then did something with it. And it's very, I think what you've done is very inspiring. And usually at this point right now in the show, I ask my guests to be able to just go for it, share that story. We want to hear all about what happened to Connie and how she overcame. Okay. Well, I was 39 years old and newly divorced with two small kids who were seven and eight years old at the time. And I am the fourth generation in my family to have had breast cancer. My mom passed away at 53 and I was 26 years old. And I had a lot of heaviness in my heart and a, and a gut feeling that wasn't good when I went for a second mammogram. And after further testing, it was determined that I had breast cancer. And when I was diagnosed, it was just, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, at, at one point, I always figured I would have it happen to me because it has happened to maternally my grandmother, my mother, and my great-grandmother. I figured it would be coming my way, but I wasn't expecting it at 39 with two small children. So I was newly divorced, two kids, dealing with my house by myself, um, you know, newly divorced, so there's a lot of things that come with that, the stress of that. And I decided when I was going to go through my treatment, I was going to make it fun if I could. My mom never really talked about her cancer. I think it was always a pink elephant in the room. And because my kids were so little, I thought I have to find a way to involve them in this that it would be kind of an adventure. So my friends were all asking me how I was doing. So instead of having a number of phone calls every day and, and emails back and forth, I decided to get on CaringBridge, which is a wonderful platform. And I tell anybody who's facing any kind of illness that that is the most wonderful platform to write and get responses back from your friends. And, you know, a lot of people ask me, did I go for, um, you know, support group meetings and such things like that when I was going through my treatment? And I didn't. I used my CaringBridge website as that platform for me to have that support from my family and friends. So I would write daily or every couple of days in this blog I would keep. And I'm very, I'm very much a smart Alex. So I would always find, you know, the comedy in my cancer. You know, for instance, my chemotherapy, my oncologist asked me after I had chemo, my second chemo, he said, how was it? And I said, well, if they, if I had had an astronaut pill to end it, I would have just ended it. And he said, what do you mean? Astronauts have a pill to end it? I said, don't you watch Apollo 13? 
So I always tried to find ways to make light of it because I felt that, you know, when you're going through any kind of illness, it's so physically demanding, emotionally tolling, financially tolling, which is, I'll get into that with my foundation, but a lot of it has to do with your mindset. And I really, truly believe that people find a way to be healthier with how they think. I think, you know, there's a lot, you, t- you talk a lot about inner and outer taking care of yourself, and I think there's a lot to be said for finding humor in things. So I use humor to get me through my cancer. So I wrote all of these antics that I would go through. And later on in my journey, I'll tell you one quick story. Later on in my journey, when I was feeling better and I had the expanders in my chest, I went out in Saratoga Springs. I don't know if you've heard of Saratoga Springs, New York, but I was up in Saratoga and it's the track season. So it was extremely busy. And I had my wig on. I was all dressed, had a cute little dress on. I thought it was, you know, a million, I was like a million bucks. And I'm walking down this street and I duck under this tree branch that was hanging very low into the sidewalk. And my wig catches on the tree branch and flies off my head. And if there had been a sound effect, it would have gone And it flew off my head and landed in the tree and just hung there and then finally floated down to the ground. And my brother's like, dude, get the, get the, the wig on. You got to get the wig back on. So I always wrote about funny things because I found that humor got me through. And at the end, when I was better, one of my friends said to me, you know, I think a lot of people would find this helpful if you wrote it in a book and put it all into a book. I think it would help a lot of cancer patients. I would think it would help a lot of friends and spouses trying to understand how they, you know, their, their loved one would feel. And so I took about a year and I wrote my book. And I wrote, everyone knows me kind of as a Pollyanna. I'm always pretty happy, except my kids know the wrath of Khan, as I call it. <laughs> I'm upset with that. <laughs> but, but I told my kids, I said, listen, when they were nine and 10 at the time that I wrote my book, I said, if Unless you're bleeding or dying, don't bother me. I'm going in my room to write for an hour. So I did that for about a year. And in my book, I wrote around those, um, I wrote around the entries. So the entries were fun and light. Some of them were heavy. You know, there's a lot of instances when I went through a lot. I had six months of chemotherapy, and I've had 13 breast cancer-related surgeries since I started. I had my last one just this past December. And I'm 10 years out this month, which is such a huge milestone for me. So very happy about that. But I decided to write really how I was feeling behind the scenes because people saw just one side of me. So I wrote it all and I put that all into a book. And I've gotten so much out of writing this book. I wrote it to put it in a box and bury it in the backyard And instead, I've just gotten so many more gifts from it. And it's really about people thanking me for writing it and saying, I really understand how my wife feels now. Or this was my handbook for getting through chemotherapy. So my story is really about finding humor in the little things. And we have a rule in my house with my two kids. One's in college and one's a senior in high school now. But we have a rule. We've had it since they were little. We have to have one good belly laugh a day. And usually the belly laugh is at, you know, my expense, but we always have a good belly laugh. And I really believe that that has been paramount to my success in beating cancer is to find the humor in life. Mm, That's such a great story. And I know when you shared with me that um, you're you're fourth in your family of having breast cancer um, and your mother had passed away at 53 of breast cancer. I mean, that's got to be devastating. But but here you are, you're sharing that it's only a matter of time before this is coming down my path based on this type of hereditary in history. Were you, were you ever really I, prepared for it? You know, I remember when I was in college, my mother was diagnosed. And we would have long chats at, her, at their kitchen, at my parents' kitchen table. And, you know, sometimes my mother and I would polish off a box of tagalongs, Girl Scout tagalongs, when we sat there and had our chats. And I came home after she had been diagnosed, and it was over the summer when I was a sophomore in college. And she told me, she said, you know, I feel like I've been waiting my whole life for this diagnosis to come. Like, I've just been, I've been wondering when it's going to happen. And when I, when my mom passed away, I thought to myself, do I need to do something now 
Because it, it was back in the day, you know, even a couple of years after she passed, people were having their breasts removed prophylactically, prophylactically to minimize the, you know, I think you have a 2% chance of having breast cancer if you have no breast tissue. You still have a small chance, but it would help if you obviously didn't have them. And I was looking into that, and I was looking into fighting my insurance on it. But my, my, my uh, OBGYN said to me, you know what, would you live your life any differently if you knew you had the gene? And this was back years ago. Now, of course, you would if you knew you had the gene. So, and there's a lot of things that people don't know about getting tested for the gene. I have not, you're going to find this surprising, but I have not been tested for the gene yet. And I need to be because I need to have my daughter tested and probably my niece tested um, because my cancer was estrogen-driven, so my son would probably not be you know, one that would have to be tested. But there's a lot going on in the world with getting life insurance if you have the gene. So mm-hmm. I'm wait, I just had to wait for my 10-year anniversary to pass so that I can get another life insurance policy, feel secure in that I have it, and then get tested for the gene because I've done my research, and if you get tested for the gene, you sometimes cannot get additional life insurance. So that's See, something that, that a lot of people right don't here. know. The golden nugget right there for people to have an understanding around because I'm sure that everybody would say you have a daughter you need to be tested for the gene but there's all these other pieces and parts that you've done some due diligence on to be able to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your family right well I've already bought both I bought my daughter a life insurance policy already and my son also so when I do get tested for the gene and if I do have it and Honestly, I'm 99.9% sure that I do, really. So it depends on which one it's going to be, too, the bracket one, the bracket two. So I'm going to have her tested, and then depending on what that yields, I'm going to have my son tested if it's different than the estrogen-driven cancer, which I had. So there's a lot of things that people don't think about when it comes to cancer diagnoses and getting tested for the gene. That's just, you know, one aspect of it. But I've been very fortunate in this whole journey that I've had. I've had amazing support from my friends and my family. And I think that is, is a huge part of anyone's recovery. So when I talk in my book about, you know, where I'm at, all the wonderful replies and responses I get from my friends, that really kept me going. And mm-hmm. a lot of people ask me, you know, what do you do when you get diagnosed with cancer? Well, the first thing you do is you've got to take a deep breath. That's one thing I had to learn to do. I only allowed myself five-minute pity parties, and rarely. I would cry by myself and alone in my room. My kids, you know, my kids were very young, and to this day, you know, now they're 17 and 18, and they've told me so many times that they really didn't understand the gravity of what I was going through when they were little because I really hid it from them. And, I mean, it was good and bad in that, I mean, now because of my foundation and what we do, and we'll get into that later, they know how important it is that support system and understanding for your family and your mother and your sisters and whomever has breast cancer or any kind of cancer. But Mm -hmm. they're seeing people now who are struggling with it, and they'll say, Mom, did you have that done? And I say, yes. And they say, wow, you know, we didn't even know that you were going through such a hardship. So I, I kept it from my kids. And, you know, I look back on it. My mom really kept it from us, too. I was in college, and I really did not know how ill she was. And she battled it from get-go. I don't even think she had a, a moment's breath. She, she battled it for six and a half years. Wow. So it was a long journey for her. So, yeah. And I have a lot of guilt sometimes. Someone asked me this the other day. You know, do you feel, are you, you know, obviously you're happy you're here, right? I'm very happy I'm here. But do you feel guilt that, you know, your mom, you, you, you're here and your mom isn't? And I, and I do feel guilty sometimes, but medicine has come a long way yeah, in the time frame since my mother was, she was diagnosed in 89, she passed in 96, I was diagnosed in 2008, and just even 10 years later, they're doing um, gen- genotypes on these tumors. So not your true genetics, but the genetics of your tumor. Mm-hmm. So they're really pinpointing now treatment for that specific cancer that you have. So it's, it's, it's come light years 
since yeah, my mother was diagnosed, really, even mine. It really, really has. So we're going to take a break here, Connie, but when we come back, I want to be able to hear about a little bit more about how you managed to get through these memoirs and, you know, how long you were writing for and then, you know, um, more on your story of, you know, how you got through this and, and how you are inspiring other people to get through it as well. So definitely stay with okay. us, everybody. Um, We're going to be taking an audio break right now, but we're still going to be live on Facebook if you're joining us. And if you'd like to join us on Facebook, you can go to Bonnie Bonadeo page. Um, It's my friend page and uh, see us live. You can ask us questions and hang out with us here a little bit. But in the meantime, we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My Favorite Coffee Story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. That's Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hey everybody, welcome back to Beauty Inside and Out. It is a beautiful cold day in November in most of the lands. Um, we're heading into the holidays. My guest today is Connie Bramer. And, you know, she was a newly divorced woman at 39, young children. So she's a mom and she hears the words, you have cancer. She's fourth in her family of having breast cancer. And um, to keep her sanity, she chronicled uh, her crazy and somewhat comical cancer journey um, in an online journal that eventually became her memoir of how Connie got her rack back. Um, So, Connie, welcome. Thanks for being here today. I loved your story. And, you you know, I, I know a lot of people, listen, it's, 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 there's so much cancer going on right now that I know that your story is relating and um, connecting with many of my listeners right now. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Tell us a little bit about then, you know, at what point did you actually decide that this online blog you were doing to stay in touch with family and friends, it wasn't public, it wasn't like you were putting it on Facebook and sharing it with the world publicly. But then at what point was it that you thought, I really need to share this with the world? Well, I feel as though, you know, I had to put a voice to cancer, I felt. And it wasn't even just breast cancer specifically. It was the journey of people going through cancer. Um, You know, one of the things I always tell my kids is you never know how someone's day is. You know, if you have a clerk that's rude at the grocery store, I always tell my kids, you know, you don't know what's going on with that person. 
And that same thing holds true for cancer patients. You don't know really the struggle of people. You see people in wigs. You see people bald with a scarf. But you really don't know what they're going through unless you've gone through it yourself. Mm-hmm. So I felt kind of my duty to share what I had written and really tell the story, the raw. Like my book is very raw. So a lot of people say, you know, I, I laugh on one page, I cry on the next. And it's a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, mostly laughing. I, I have to say people tell me they mostly laugh, which is a good thing. But I felt that I, that I owed it to even my friends who I had written this blog and they had been reading it. I owed it to them to put it all in a book and really tell the inside story because I, I even wrote a little bit after I was well. And then I just stopped. And I had probably 15 friends reach out to me and say, man, I really wish you were writing every day because I looked forward to logging in to Caring Bridge when you, when, whenever I would do a, a, uh, an entry, it sends an email to everyone who has, sent, who has signed up to read your entries and to communicate with you. So they miss getting those emails. And I found that kind of profound. I thought, you know, I didn't realize people were, you know, really paying attention to my words. So my one friend, like I had said, told me, you know, I really think you should put this in a book. I think it would help a lot of patients, a lot of people. So when I was set about to write it, I thought, what is the best way for me to articulate really what was going on? So I went back and basically went down memory lane and copied and pasted a lot of my memoir, a lot of my um, blog posts into, you know, what I was going to put for my book. And then I remembered I had to really read it and think back to where I was on that day. Like the first day of chemotherapy, really what was I thinking about? You know, I laughed because they give you, I was on adriamycin cytoxin, which is a red, uh, a red chemotherapy. And the nurses come out to you and basically a hazmat suit, right? You've got a port in your chest. And they come out, they're all like triple gloved and hazmat suit. And I'm thinking, what is this about? And I said, why are you guys all like dressed up like this? Well, it can't, it can't touch, you know, our skin. It's damaging. So you're going to go ahead and just stick it right in my veins then. That's okay, right? So then I didn't know. No one tells you. Now, this might be a little off color. that it makes your pee orange, right? So you're thinking, no one told me this. And I go to the bathroom. I think I'm dying. And I come out. And then I say something like this, and I'm like, well, yeah, your, your pee does turn orange. Well, then you think about it, you know, the red with the yellow <laughs> makes it orange. But this is, these are just things that people don't tell you or how you are going to feel that you have ants in your hair when that medication goes through your pore and makes it feel like you have ants in your pants, literally, and ants in your hair. And the nurse said, you probably are feeling like some weird tingling. I go, yeah, I feel like I have ants all over me. And that is a, that's one of the first things that you feel. But no one tells you these things. So I thought, you know what? I owe it to people to really tell what's going to happen to you. I, you know, I, I, I remember I had two women that helped me immensely, and I call them the Sue crew in my book. One's named Suzanne, one is named Sue. And they were ahead of me in the journey, but they did not have mastectomies. I had bilateral mastectomies. They had the chemotherapy and they had lumpectomy. So they told me what was to come with the chemo. But when you don't have a person on your side that says, hey, look, this is how you're going to feel. You're going to feel like crap on the second day. The first day you're just going to sleep. And when your doctor tells you to take, you know, clozapine and all these other medications, I might have said their name wrong, but any of these compazine and all these other things, you can take them all. No one tells you that when you start either. So you're sick for the very first um, chemotherapy because you don't know all the medications you can take. So that's why I wanted to write my book so people really could kind of have it as a handbook to get through chemo. And maybe specifically for breast cancer patients, but I'm finding that a lot of other patients, because my foundation helps all cancer patients, men and women and children with all types of cancer. So I've had some men actually pick up my book who've had colon cancer or esophageal cancer, and they've read it, and they've, they've told me it's, they laughed, and it helped them to get through their chemo also. So that's why I decided to write the book. Oh, I love that. And I, and I definitely, I mean, you had me laughing just in that little bit that you were sharing. So I can imagine that the memoir is made up of it. But you're right. There is absolutely positively nobody telling you what to expect. And I think preparation, just like anything in life, 
when, when you're more prepared, you manage all of it better when you're more prepared. And if you're not prepared, then you just think it's got to be, it's got to feel like, you know, the end of the end of the world. And, you know, why am I having to go through this? And we end up kind of spiraling back in that, you know, that pity party and that victim mode. And that certainly is not a good source for better healing. Well, I know we spend so much time with our doctors working on being physically prepared for what's to come. You know, when they tell you, here are your stats, you've got, I remember crying when I was told, you know, you have an 80% chance of being here in five years if you do this, 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 and this. And it's very scary to look at your life in statistics. You know, you could walk across the street in New York City and get hit by a bus. You don't have that stat all hanging over your head. You know what I mean? So it's a very driven on statistics. So when I wrote my book, I thought if I could help mentally prepare someone for mm-hmm. what's to come, I think mental fortitude really goes a long way in your healing when you know what's coming. I mean, there's a lot of unknown in cancer. My mother used to say having cancer is like being in the army, hurry up and wait. You know, you hurry up to get the test done. You wait for the test to be done to see where you're at. You wait to see what treatments available and what you need to have done. But you don't aren't you aren't really able to mentally prepare. So that's what I have hoped. And a lot of breast cancer patients specifically have given me that feedback that it really did help them in their mindset going in. And I think that that's been a huge gift to me that my story has been helping other people. So what is the greatest gift from you being able to write this memoir and share it with others? Is that I, you know, I guess there's a reason, you know, I'm one of those people that says there's always a reason for everything. You know, God only gives you the things that you can handle. Um, But the greatest gift that I've gotten from writing this book is that people have said to me so often, you know, you were like beside me in my chemotherapy chair. I was reading, you know, one woman wrote me, she's had, she had all of her chemos and she brought my book with her every time she had chemotherapy and she would read it and she would laugh. She would read, read about where, where she was at in her journey. And then she would laugh at all my little stories I would tell. And ironically, she was being um, taken care of at the same oncology office. So they were kind of laughing with her because they remember me laughing all the time. But that's been the greatest gift that people have said to me, you know what, you have helped me. You help me to understand where I am and where I'm going. And, and, you know, I guess my journey wasn't for nothing. You know, sometimes things happen to people and you wonder, you know, why did this happen to me? What is the, what is the lesson? You know, I think the lesson for me with everything that I've gone through is to really take a step back and take things one day at a time. I'm very much a planner and a type A personality and, you know, when I want the garbage taken out by my son, I scream at him like five times to get him to take it out. And if he doesn't do it in 10 minutes, I take it out myself. Like I'm that kind of person. So it's, I've, I've tried very hard to change that about myself because life is so precious and you don't know what the next day or even the next minute is going to bring. So you really need to take stock of what you have in your life, be grateful and take a deep breath. I have a little thing on my, on my iPhone, on my uh, Apple Watch that says breathe. I don't know if anybody has an Apple Watch, but sometimes I turn that thing on. And I'm like, I need to take a breath, so I'm going to sit down here and take a breath. So, you know, one of the things that people have asked me, what do you do when you're diagnosed with cancer, any kind of cancer? Again, take a deep breath, one. Two, come up with a plan. Find doctors that you like because you will spend a lot of time with them. To the point where you might end up pitching a tent in the office because you're there two, three, four times a week, depending on what you're having done. So, and if you don't like your doctor, find another one. That's something people always say to me. They think that they're at the mercy of the oncologist that they go to. And, you know, if you're not happy with how you feel, you have to have chemistry and feel confident in that doctor. And if you don't, get another one. So breathe, have a plan, laugh. And put your plan in action and laugh some more. Those are the things I tell patients. All the patients that my foundation works with, those are the things I tell people. And another thing that helped me a lot when I was going through my treatment, and I speak about this to every patient because I write all of our patients a personal note, I had a gratitude journal, and I've gotten away from it, and I need to get back to it. 
But every night before I went to bed, when I was going through treatment, I would write down three things I was grateful for that day. Mm-hmm. And I would look back on it a lot. So I'd say, oh, you know, last Wednesday I was grateful for this. Well, I remember one day, I was, my one gratitude was I woke up, two, I didn't throw up all day, and three, I had milk for my kids for their cereal. So, you know, it can be the smallest little things, but you have to find gratitude. And when you live a life of gratitude, it, it brings about better health, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love the, I just shared the four things on my Facebook page. Um, I think breathing is first and foremost, very important, but you're right. I love what you shared that if you don't like your doctor, find another doctor because you have to, you have to be, you are, you are in this emotionally with them. And if they're not emotionally with you, then it's a problem. And then you feel like you're in it alone, feel like you're not being heard. And I hear that from, I hear that from friends, family, and then, of course, many of the guests that I've had on my show that have gone through <clears throat> diagnoses, um, they, they share that um, they didn't ever feel heard. The, their biggest problem of getting the right diagnosis and getting the right treatments was because they finally found somebody that they felt heard them and then put That's a plan, right. supported them and putting a plan together to be able to help them get back to health. Um, but I love that you turned this into um, a memoir. I love that you are sharing it. And I love that you're the truth teller. So this is, this is what's really needed. It's, you know, it's, I think a lot of people come out of it and they want to tell you how to be preventative of having it. But nobody's telling you what the ugliness and the rawness of having it and what you may have to go through and, and be prepared for um, is in what you may be up against. And that's something that you've shared with how Connie got her rack back um, book, which I'm sure is available on Amazon, correct? It is available on Amazon. Good. All right. So that would be, that may be a great gift for someone that you know, that is um, been diagnosed and to be able to bring some humor um, back into their lives a little bit. Now we're going to take one more break here in just a couple of minutes, Connie. And when we come back in our last segment, I do want to hear about the foundation that you started. Um, and certainly how we can all help that foundation um, to grow and to make an impact with other people out there that have cancer. Um, But before we do, I wanted to then touch base with you on, you know, your particular cancer was breast, but you said that um, many people have enjoyed the book um, just because there's a lot of similar treatments that people go down, whether it's breast cancer Mm -hmm. or other type of cancers. And, um, and so what were, what were some of the things that people shared um, from after reading the book? Well, one thing that I really obsessed about and probably foolish, foolishly was losing my hair. And, uh, you know, I always have, I've always had kind of short hair. I've never had, you know, these voluptuous locks of any kind. But still, you feel so naked. You know, and I, and I say it's akin to, you know, and I'm probably saying this, probably shouldn't be saying this, but when you walk in front of a construction site and you get a whistle, right? It's like walking in front of that bald and naked. That's how you feel because you just, it's, your hair is part of you, you know? Yes. And I remember when I got my wig, I got my wig and the one la- the lady said to me, listen, when you get your wig, you can't open an oven door with your wig on because it can, it will burn it. So I had a few friends over for cocktails when I was feeling well. And I wore my wig for a very long time. It took a long time for my hair to go back. So I had three friends in the kitchen with me. And I said, hang on a second. I've got to get something out of the oven. And my hair was really like just peach fuzz. I took my wig off, opened the oven, and took the stuff out. But that was what I really stressed about was losing my hair. Every day I would wake up and I would be like, oh, my God, there's more hair on the on the pillow. So what I did, and I put this in my book, I had a Dyson at the time. And I thought if this Dyson can suck up anything, it probably can suck up all these little hairs on my head that are not coming off. I ended up like shaving my head with a straight, with a regular razor to get it all off after I had um, buzzed it. So I took the Dyson vacuum cleaner attachment and put it on my head. And you know how they're clear and you can see yeah. it could, you could see the skin pulling up it. And I'm going like this. And I saw all I could think of, if anybody could see me right now, oh, my God, right? So I do that all over my head and it doesn't work. 
So the Dyson does not get hair off the top of your head when you're balding. Well, but um, I really stress over it. That's definitely a good thing. No, listen, hair is very, it's our crown. I mean, it's really, yeah. it, you know, when you think about our feet being able to, you know, they're, they're, they're functional. Our hair is more than functional. It, it, it makes a statement about us. It, it's our, it's our crowning glory. And it's, um, it, it is the hardest part, I think, for people that are diagnosed when they think they're going to lose their hair. And of course, even technology has improved on that. They have now opportunities where you can wear those freeze masks to be able to prevent hair loss. And I, and I have a couple of, uh, uh, friends and people that I know in the industry that have used it and they did not lose their hair. So there are options um, not to mm-hmm. be able to, but I guess it also depends on, you know, finances and insurance and the type of the amount of chemo and the type of treatments that you're going through and everything. All right, Connie, we're going to take another break. Um, and when we come back, I want to hear about your foundation and how you got this started and how certainly how we and my listeners um, can help you with that. And, you know, just a reminder to everybody to be, to follow me, follow me on social media. It's like a crazy town that I know that I have over 50,000 listeners a month. Um, but I don't have 50,000 people following me on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything. So please, I'm begging you to tap in with me because we've got so much more that we want to be able to share as we finish out this year. And we have great things planned, uh, going into next year. Um, And I want you to be a part of it, and I don't want you to miss any of it. And certainly to be able to follow up with some of the guests that we've had on our show that have shared some amazing things, we want to keep in touch with them as well. So stay with us. We'll be right back on our final break, and then we'll uh, talk to Connie again. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you looking to uncover your authentic self? Looking to improve your communication, selling, or public speaking skills? Discover Naked Audience Productions trainings on public speaking, leadership, sales, and healing. Mastering the art of authentic communications can change your life in many ways. From promotions to profits to enhancing any relationship, whether it's business or personal, finding and speaking your naked truth is a beautiful thing. Visit www.napevents.com or call 877-319-2403. That's napevents.com or 877-319-2403. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Beauty Inside and Out with Bonnie Bonadeo. If you have a question or comment about our show, please send an email to Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. That's Bonnie at BonnieBonadeo.com. Now back to Beauty Inside and Out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. My guest, Connie Brink. She is the author of Connie Got Her Rack Back, and she just shared on the break with our Facebook Live people that uh, she was worried about naming the book in regards to breasts or boobs. Uh, so she said, get your, uh, how Connie got her rack back, um, which is relative to the fact that you had breast cancer, but it also kind of opens up an opportunity that your book is good for anybody and everybody. Um, and it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy and a very inspiring memoir of um, her going through cancer. And how long was this whole process for you, Connie? 
from when you got diagnosed to um, almost I'd say eleven months. Okay. From start to finish, but then I had subsequent surgeries every year, so it wasn't quite done. But the you know between the bilateral mastectomies, the almost six months of chemotherapy, the hormone blocking therapy, and then um, the the surgeries to put the implants back in. I think I was what I considered whole uh, the following October. So it was about 10 months, 10, 11 months. I wore the yeah. wig for a long time now. Yes. Yeah, so and I, was bald, I was bald for quite I, a while. I, I love that you shared with the wig. And we have some really great resources, too. You guys here at Beauty Inside and Out, um, Hair to Stay is one of the organizations that we've um, had featured on the show as, um, as well as, and I'll get the name of it here in a second. It just slipped away from my tongue. Um, but there are many opportunities for you to be able to, if you're dealing with this and you are afraid to lose your hair, uh, look at some options or contact me and I'll give you some references and some opportunities to be able to connect with people to um, get that wig and or maybe save your hair. Yeah, bless you. So, you know, Connie, this was really, you know, you looked at this as a self-discovery and a laugh out loud type of book. Um, and, you know, to give hope to people. And, and really what I hear in it is to, to, to give people truth, for them to be able to have the truth but have it in a fun and comedic way that they're like, oh, she prepared me for this, and certainly that's exactly how I felt. But that wasn't enough. You felt called to start an organization um, so that you can help others. And so tell us a little bit about your organization. Well, I started my organization for a main reason, to provide meals to patients. And the backstory is one of my friends from high school had meals delivered to me the two, like a couple of times while I was going through chemo. Like every cycle, he would deliver a couple um, meals. And Pizza Hut came to my door one day, and I said, I didn't order any food. And they said, are you Connie Bramer? And I said, yes. Yeah. So they came back, and it became a thing. On Tuesday night, they, when they had pasta, uh, they would deliver, you know, pizza, or a pasta, salad, and then those breadsticks with the drizzle on them. My kids were like, it's Tuesday. You know, we're so happy. Because when you're sick, you don't feel like cooking. It's the last thing and that you want to be doing. So I was so appreciative of that. And he said to me, you know what, Connie, it's not a big deal. Like, it really isn't a big deal. But it is a big deal to people. So I decided to have a book launch party in 2012 when my book came out. And I decided, you know, I'm in business, so I'm going to ask a bunch of my business friends to donate to me so that I can have a fundraiser. So initially, we provided funds for local cancer providing services, such as like the American Cancer Society making strides against breast cancer, a couple of other local organizations. And I wasn't really sure, you know, of course the money was going to a good cause, but I didn't know where the money was going. So I thought, you know what, I want to start my own foundation to find out, you know, to, to find the people that really need boots on the ground help. I knew that I wasn't going to be a problem solver with respect to, um, you know, solving the cancer issue and, and uh, finding a cure, but I knew I could be a problem solver for everyday issues that people are facing. Right. And the unfortunate thing the is with the cost of, of health care. Yeah. I'm sorry, say that again? The truth of having cancer. Yes. The truth of having cancer is it's financially devastating. Mm-hmm. People have no idea. It took me six years to pay back my cancer bills. And right now, people's co-pays, right now, my, my personal co-pay for a specialist is $60. So when you go to event, when you go for chemotherapy, you know, you're, you're going to see, it depends on what you have. Like if you have breast cancer, you're going to see your breast surgeon one day, you're going to go see your uh, plastic surgeon another day, you're going to go have chemo, and then you're going to go back to get the new Lasta shot, which I'm sure you've seen all that on TV, the new Lasta on pro. That shot is $12,000, okay? So people are struggling to pay bills, and then they're struggling to say to themselves, you know what, do I want to buy groceries? Or do I need to pay for my medicine so I'm here next month? And it's just something that I can't even tolerate. And we as a country should not even tolerate it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a way that we can help people. So what my foundation does is we work with, we started working with two local oncology offices. That's it. Now we work with 18. I started this organization in 2015. 
I submitted all my paperwork to the IRS in January. I had no control over the date that they chose for me to be a nonprofit, and they chose of all days of the 365 days a year, my mother's birthday. So I knew that that was a sign that this was going to be a good thing and we were going to make a difference for people. So last year we helped 58 patients with $500 in services. My goal for this year was to help 100. So we, we have helped today. We delivered the 97th basket. So we have um, three more and we're going to hit our hundred for the year. So what we do is we work with local oncology offices and hospitals with their nurse navigators and their social workers because those are the people who really know a patient's true story. I don't want to be in a position yet where I'm asking patients to provide any financial information to me because I know as a cancer patient, if someone said to me, you know what, Connie, I can get you $500 in grocery gift cards, but I need your last two pay stubs. I'd say, you know what, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out right? Mm -hmm. So that has hurt me in getting grants. I'm not going to lie about that. But I don't feel that I want to ask people that. So I have nurse navigators and social workers who call me and say, I have this patient who really needs help. So they fill out an intake form on my website that's password protected for them. And then I ask, listen, I need to know more about this patient. I want you to tell me about their family I want you to tell me, are they working? Are they not working? What kind of cancer do they have? What's their stage cancer? Because I'm not going to write a letter, and I write a letter to every patient. I'm not going to write a letter to a stage four cancer patient and say, you know, soon this is going to be in your rear view mirror, because that's not going to be the case. So I want to make sure that I'm writing the adequate, courageous words to get them, you know, to get them a little lift, because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to provide some TLC for these patients. And as a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I received a phone call from a gentleman, and he's, I think, in his 60s with esophageal cancer, and he called me. I, ha- I leave my card in every one of those um, envelopes, and he called me, and he asked me if, you know, is this Connie Bramer? I said, yes. He says, I'm leaving my doctor's office with these gift cards, and I just want you to know I live alone, and I didn't think anybody cared about me. And I'm going to do what you told me. And I had written in his card, you know, to fight no matter how he felt every day to just keep fighting. And he says, I'm going to keep fighting. And you've given me the courage to keep going. And I want to thank you for that. So I know that the little bit that we're giving, and I know it's not $500 isn't a huge amount, but it really is life changing for a lot of these patients. Yeah, it brings humanity back, you know, because I think people do feel like they're alone when they're going through that. And like you said, Mm mom didn't share it with you when she was going through it at her worst you weren't necessarily sharing it with your kids so we are we're, we're bearing this burden all by ourselves and so sometimes that that little something that special you know words of encouragement or you know a $500 gift card to a grocery store I mean that's powerful so you're really helping people that are in upstate New York right now that's that's where your position yeah. right and you have, right. and I, have- and I'm sorry, I, I'm, I really want to expand. I mean, my dream when I started this foundation was I see this being something that's needed everywhere. It's not just needed in upstate New York, but we go from Albany all the way up to Plattsburgh. So okay. up almost to the Canadian border. So I am working to move it out in the western part of the state, out to the Syracuse area, and down into the New York City area, close to New York City at some point. So I just well, see more people us, volunteering. Yeah, that gives it a range, and, and, and hopefully you'll be able to expand um, further. Because you're right, it's not about cancer research. It's not about, you know, donating money to bigger causes. It's about helping people in that moment. So how can we help? Kind of give us some ideas. What can we do to help? What can my listeners do to be able to get more baskets and more letters to people that might need that little bit of support right now? Well, there's a couple. I do want to tell you one thing that I have going on right now that I can use people's help with also. We provide Christmas stockings to children affected by cancer. So we provide, this is our fourth year doing it. Last year we we stuffed about 450 stockings. This year it's about 750. Mm -hmm. So we are on a mission for stocking stuffers, and um, that's part of the donation process I'll get into in a second. But next Saturday we're going to, or next Saturday we're going to be, we're going to be stuffing 
in delivering over 700 stockings for children who are affected by cancer. Because that's another thing I wanted to mention too. Cancer just doesn't affect the patient. It, is, it affects the entire family. So we're trying to find a way to bring families together and, and let them know that we care about them as a whole, not just the patient. So yeah. to help out with my organization, my, my website is gyrb.org. And you can get there at getyourrackback.org. It goes to the same place. There's information on there. There's a video that features some of my patients that we've helped. We've got a patient spotlight that I'm going to start working further on in January. We've got two patients who speak on that information on their testimonials. There's a donate button and you can donate. Every single patient that we help receives $500 in services. It's tax deductible donation and anything you can do. We so, we're just so grateful. And I'm so pleased to be able to say at the end of this year that we hit our goal of 100 patients. We have almost at the 100 patient level, we will have um, provided $90,000 in the last three years to cancer patients to help oh, them pay for their groceries and gas. Perfect. So, all right, all my listeners, uh, getyourrackback.org or gr gyrb gyrb.org. Um, yep. and uh, donate some money. And, and I know I'm going to be posting on my Facebook page, bonniebonadeo.com. If you go to Radio Host and then Free Gifts, um, look for my Free Gifts button. There's also a couple really cute purses that she's offering at a special price, and that money's going directly as a donation too. So there could be a great right. little holiday gift um, for you or for someone else um, as part of that donation. Connie, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story. And thank you for the contribution doing for others and being that truth teller um, because that I think that's what's most powerful and that's certainly what's touched my heart today is that you're really telling the truth of what people can expect and it's okay it's okay they deserve to hear it they need to hear it thank you Bonnie so much for having me on I really appreciate it you're wonderful Oh, thank you. Good. Well, you guys, although this show might be ending, I just want to let you know that we are behind the scenes working on many, many more shows and going into the new year. Um, And as we step into December, our theme is all about relationships. So we're going to start out with personal relationships. Maybe you're looking for the love of your life and you are committed going into the new year that you are going to find love. Um, We also have a guest that is going to talk about your relationship with money because a lot of us have money issues. Um, and an interesting conversation that we might be having internally about the money we have or the money we don't have. I'll be sharing with you that personal relationship with you, how to be able to kind of go from inside out and be the most authentic person that you can be. And then we're closing out the month with the relationship with your health and how to be able to, you know, stop the, the yo-yo dieting uh, because it's a terrible time of year for us to even talk about diets, but how to go into the new year with a very, very healthy approach to loving yourself for who you are. So as always, thank you for joining us and thank you for connecting with us and to remember to be you in beauty. Thank you for listening to Beauty Inside and Out. Please join your host, Bonnie Bonadeo, again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.